When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you want to see the court overturned? You just said you want to see the court protect the Second Amendment. Do you want to see the court overturn Roe v. Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices on, that's really what's going to be, that will happen. And that'll happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. We will begin our search for a new justice of the United States Supreme Court. It's imperative that the president's nominee be considered fairly and not subjected to personal attacks. Thus far, President Trump's judicial nominations have reflected a keen understanding of the vital role the judges play in our constitutional order. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who's going to appoint another justice to the Supreme Court. Yikes. Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Justice Kennedy is retiring after 30 years on the court. His retirement is effective July 31st. So how is it going to reshape the court? And how are the politics going to play out after Merrick Garland was denied a vote in the last year of the Barack Obama presidency? To answer all that, I'm joined on the line by Rick Hassan. He's a professor of law and political science at the University of California, Irvine. He's been writing about the impending retirement of Justice Kennedy for us here at Slate. In fact, he just predicted it. Rick, thanks for joining me on short notice. Uh, It's great to be with you. So I had Emily Bazelon on the show yesterday, and she said Kennedy might retire today. And you wrote a piece in Slate saying Kennedy was about to retire. Where do you guys get this inside dope about what's going to happen on the Supreme Court? Well, you know, I'd been thinking all term that uh, he might retire. That rumor's been around for a long time. But two things really solidified it. The first thing was... After 14 years of waiting to decide the partisan gerrymandering case, in 2004, Kennedy said, bring me new cases. One was teed up 14 years later, and he passed. They sent the case back. They punted. And if, you know, if you can't decide after 14 years, what's the 15th year <laughs> going to do? Uh, and then what really solidified it for me and what, what gave me the courage to write the piece at Slate yesterday was the concurrence that... Kennedy wrote just for himself in the travel ban case, where he basically said, it's the job of every uh, member of the executive and legislative branch to uphold an oath to the Constitution, and you can't count on courts to solve all of your problems. And it struck me that that was sort of, uh, I called it in the, in the piece, uh, Kennedy's uh, Kennedy out mic drop moment, where he basically <laughs> said, I've done all I can do. Good luck to everybody. Uh, as someone wrote on Twitter, be best. You know, this, was, <laughs> this was the moment that uh, Kennedy decided to step aside. So it really seemed like that. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be 82 next month. And for someone who probably wanted to retire last year but put it off because of Trump, those were the rumors. Uh, this seemed like the right time for him, I guess. I mean, do you think other things being equal, that is, if he weren't 81 and, and wanting to, to not be a justice anymore, that he would have preferred that a Democratic president uh, appoint his replacement than a Republican one? Or do, would he simply re- prefer that a Republican other than Donald Trump replace him? Well, I think he would certainly prefer a Republican uh, over a Democrat. 
even though Kennedy is the swing justice, you have to remember he was in the five justice majority uh, and wrote the opinion in Citizens United. In, uh, he was in the majority in the case Shelby County versus Holder that struck down parts of the Voting Rights Act. He's decided a number of cases uh, upholding strict abortion rules and, and uh, you know, cases against affirmative action. Sometimes he would swing, but more often than not, he was conservative. And, uh, you know, I think he saw himself as a Republican to the end. In, in fact, in the other opinion yesterday involving these um, crisis pregnancy clinics, Justice Kennedy used language about the California legislature that compared them to a totalitarian regime. And so uh, I think he, you know, he's a Californian. I think he, he remains a kind of traditional California Republican person. And he probably saw a year of Trump and thought, well, this isn't that terrible, at least with the judiciary. He's picked some good people. Now's the time I could step aside. I'm guessing that's what he was thinking. I mean, he went out on a very conservative note, but this is the justice who has been preserving Roe v. Wade. He was the fifth vote for keeping it. And he wrote this stirring decision in the Obergefell case legalizing gay marriage. So, you know, he's a conservative justice who, at least on those two cases, remains a kind of strange liberal hero, right? Yes, but uh, this year, uh, the case that everyone was watching, the uh, Masterpiece Cake case, the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, uh, about the clash between anti-discrimination laws that protect uh, LGBT people from discrimination and someone claiming religious liberty, that was another case where he punted. And then he did what uh, Bob Barnes of the Washington Post called the punt after the punt. There was a follow-up case, uh, Arlene Fla- Arlene's Flowers from Washington State, where the issue was teed up again, and the court just sent it back. And so it really seemed like he was out of gas. And uh, as much as he knows that some of his uh, legacy is going to be reversed when he leaves. It was, uh, I, he probably thought he had no choice. You wrote in Slate Today that the overwhelming likelihood is that Trump will replace Kennedy with someone who is far more consistently conservative, someone on uh, much more the Scalia model. I mean, first, who do you think Trump will appoint? Well, uh, the person I think he might choose is Brett Kavanaugh, who's a former Kennedy clerk, but who in Judicial uh, philosophy is much closer to Justice Scalia, very smart justice, very much like Neil Gorsuch, careful enough that there's nothing that people are going to find in his opinions that would be disqualifying, but conservative enough that I think people on the far right would be very happy with him. And the playbook will be the same as Gorsuch. Uh, Get up there, uh, say nice things, but don't give away anything, and then come on the court and be extremely conservative. Uh, you know, the difference between Kennedy and Gorsuch, you might say, what's the big deal if you put another Gorsuch or someone like Kavanaugh on the court? In a voting rights opinion that the court just decided out of Texas, Justice Gorsuch joined with Justice Kennedy in a positively nutty theory that, that Thomas, uh, I'm sorry, joined with Justice Thomas, uh, that uh, Justice Thomas has been pushing for a very long time, that the Voting Rights Act doesn't even apply to claims involving redistricting. You couldn't even bring a Voting Rights Act claim against a, a, a redistricting if uh, you get some more justices on the court like Gorsuch. So a- as bad as things may seem now uh, from the perspective of uh, voting rights or abortion rights or LGBT rights or the environment, uh, gun rights, you name your issue, it could be a lot worse if Kennedy's gone. 
It could be catastrophic. I mean, it could mean the reversal of Roe. It could mean presumably a reversal over time of the gay marriage decision, as you say, you know, free reign for for gerrymandering, the effective end of of voting rights. It goes it goes on and on. What do you think, turning to the politics of this, Rick, do Democrats have any hope of stopping an extreme or consistently conservative nominee like Brett Kavanaugh, assuming that's the type of person Trump appoints? Well, I don't think that there are any cards to play in the Senate, because you may remember, first, uh, Harry Reid got rid of the filibuster for all nominations besides Supreme Court nominees, and then in the middle of the Gorsuch fight, McConnell finished the job and got rid of it. So, uh, And there are some vulnerable Democrats, you know, Joe Donnelly, Claire McCaskill, they're going to be hard-pressed to vote against someone who looks qualified on paper. So that looks pretty tough. You know, the only way I could see this happening is if there were massive public protests, you know, aimed at some um, moderate Republicans. You know, you could think of Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski on the abortion issue or something like that, where people are really up in arms. But it turns out that it's really hard to get the left motivated about the courts. I think it's going to get easier as the court gets more extreme. But this has not been an issue that's motivated the left the way it's motivated the right. And I think that over time, what Chief Justice John Roberts, who's likely to be the new swing justice, is going to do, is he's not going to have a lot of bold rulings. You know, Roe versus Wade is hereby overruled, the way we had the ruling uh, about uh, public sector unions in the Janus case. It's going to be a chipping away, a chipping away. Same thing with the Voting Rights Act. You don't have to overrule the rest of the Voting Rights Act. Just interpret it in such a way that it has no force. Interpret uh, the abortion laws in such a way that more and more restrictions can be put in place to effectively deny women uh, the right to get an abortion in a number of states. Yeah, it's more a termite approach than a uh, kerosene and matches approach. Right. right? Yeah. And, and he, uh, you know, he picks his battles. This is a guy that is extremely smart and is really a um, young man uh, by Supreme Court standards, has a lot of years left in him and doesn't need to do everything all at once. But so you sound pretty fatalistic about the Democrats having any real chance of stopping uh, the, whoever the nominee is, I guess, unless it's someone who, you know, the, 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 uh, anything can happen with these nominations in terms of what turns up and what, what pretexts the real reasons there might be for voting against so- someone based on something in their personal life or record or uh, something in services. But short of that, you don't think there's anything procedurally they can do either to stop it or delay it, say, until after the election? Well, I'm not an expert on Senate procedure. I don't know how much Democrats could gum up the works short of without the filibuster. You have to remember that they're going to pay a political price for that, too. Uh, when you've got these vulnerable Democrats coming up, this is a very tough election season for the Senate because you have a number of uh, for the Democrats because you have a number of Democrats in states where Trump won big. And so if Democrats start blockading everything, that's not going to be good for uh, the race in North Dakota or in Missouri or in Indiana. So I uh, think they're they're stuck in a really tough position. But they've got a race in Ohio and other places, too. And I guess overall, the question is, whose base is more motivated about the Supreme Court? Is the liberal base more motivated to stop a conservative uh, Scalia-type becoming becoming the swing vote or is uh, are the evangelicals and christian conservatives more motive motivated about overturning roe yeah i talk about this a little bit in my uh, book on justice scalia i look back at the 2016 election in the aftermath of scalia's death 
And uh, what you found was, I think it was something like four out of five people who said the Supreme Court was the most important issue to them when they were voting were conservatives who were voting for Donald Trump. Huh. And, and so it, things may change. As I said, a, as the court gets more and more conservative, I think more people on the left are going to wake up, but we're just not there quite yet. As, as they realize Trump, the Trump stakes. Re- yeah. And, uh, you know, assuming that McConnell rams this through before the November election, then you might have evangelicals who are happy with uh, Trump and McConnell and their team, care about judges, uh, and they come to turn out to the polls at a time when we thought there was going to be an enthusiasm gap and Democrats were going to turn out more than Republicans. Yeah, although I don't know if it's more motivating that you uh, more motivating that you think something be prevented that Democrats are blocking a nominee or voting as uh, as thanks and reward for getting what you want. Right. I mean, we I think we just don't know, but it's it's hard for me to see. As I said, unless unless there's a kind of mass political movement against the replacement of Kennedy with a Trump uh, with a a Scalia clone, then it's just really. Uh, hard for me to see what the political path is for Democrats to block the nomination. Within minutes of the announcement about Justice Kennedy, Jeff Tubin tweeted something about how he thought it would now be a given that that abortion would be banned in, say, 20 states, that Roe v. Wade is going to be repealed, and that uh, that many states are on kind of a hair trigger ready to pass abortion bans, not just not just marginal restrictions. Do you agree with that? Well, I think that all depends now on what Chief Justice Roberts had for breakfast. You know, for <laughs> the last 11 years, we've been worried about whether Kennedy was having his uh, oatmeal or his eggs. And now it's going to be Chief Justice Roberts. And, and, you know, he's a smart person and knows that there could be a huge political backlash if the court explicitly overturns Roe versus Wade. So watch for uh, what uh, Professor Barry Friedman has called the stealth, stealth overruling of cases. Uh, you know, I've already seen it happen. Uh, in some other cases, and already many more abortion restrictions are allowed uh, than have been allowed in the past. So I don't know that I'd go so far as, as Tubin, but I do think that abortion is going to become much harder in those states with uh, Republican uni- United Republican governments. I mean, on uh, gay marriage, too, it's that, that logic may apply, partly because the world has changed so much so quickly on this issue it's it was uh, it was a little bit unimaginable that that gay marriage was going to be uh become the law of the land when the de- when the decision came down but now it's it's a little, little more unimaginable that it would be taken away i mean you can you can imagine a a pragmatist like roberts just saying you know that one's gone we can't go back there that's right i think i agree with that 100% but what's going to come up are going to be other issues issues about restrictions on adoption or issues as we saw in the masterpiece cake shop case that the court ducked on people wanting to discriminate and claim a religious reason for doing so. In those cases, you could see a cutback on gay rights without an overturning of the Obergefell case. This sounds like almost unmitigated good news for Donald Trump, though. Uh, he It doesn't seem like there's much way for him to lose on the politics of the issue of having a Supreme Court appointment, whether he appoints someone who goes through quickly and easily or whether there's conflict, which you seem to think and a lot of people agree with you, would help him more than Democrats in the midterm elections. And it's suddenly a huge news story that's changed the topic from a story that I think was still hurting him about the border and separating families. 
Yeah, I think all of that is right. I, the only thing I could imagine him doing that uh, would work against him in this context is if he nominates someone like a friend, a crony, you know, a, a Judge Janine, um, <laughs> someone not on the Jeanette list. Jeanette Pirro, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, someone not a real judge, someone he thinks is a real judge but yeah, isn't actually a so, real judge. You know, but, uh, you know, I think he listens to his, uh, his counsel, Don McGahn, who's, you know, very tightly connected to the Federalist Society, uh, you know, and to the groups that have been vetting and growing these Scalia-like conservatives for the last generation. I mean, the stars are all lined up. This, this is why I was, I was screaming about this back in 2016, uh, and um, I wasn't alone. Many people saw this coming, but it's hard to motivate people when there aren't concrete kinds of cases you can point to and say, look at what the court is about to do or look at what the court did. It's going to take some actual damage before I think there can be a political response. And that political response may take years. Um, but we, I think we can safely say, assuming that someone is confirmed, that the idea that the Supreme Court is going to lead in the area of civil rights is, uh, is over. No more O'Connor, no more Kennedy, no more swinging justices, especially on issues of race. Uh, John Roberts is no Anthony Kennedy. And uh, uh, on issues like affirmative action, I think those are the kind of things where you might see a complete overruling of old precedent uh, by John Roberts. Race is an issue that really motivates him. So, Rick, when you write in Slate that there's only one thing that could stop Trump from replacing Kennedy with a Scalia clone, you're talking about just massive protests, people in the streets. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And, you know, we saw that happen for the travel ban, you know, it, it's starting to happen for this separation of families. Now, the day that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe versus Wade, people would be in the streets. But then, of course, it's too late to undo that, at least for a long period of time. I've been speaking to Rick Hassan. He's a professor of law and political science at the University of California, Irvine. Rick, thanks for being on the show today. It's been great to be with you. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon in a hurry today. Hey, are you following us on Twitter? We're at Real Trumpcast. It's how you get all the news and updates about the show. We also do some retweets from time to time. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.